Today's episode of the Ringer Soccer Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling sports and music tickets. SeatGeek makes buying and selling tickets on your phone a total snap. With just two taps, you can instantly buy tickets to an event that same day, have your tickets delivered to you straight to your phone, and enter the event without ever having to print out a ticket. And if you can't go to the game or the show, you can sell your tickets directly from the app in less than 30 seconds. With SeatGeek, there's no guesswork. You'll know exactly where you're sitting, what you will pay, and whether or not you're getting a good deal all right from your phone. So drop your old ticket app and experience buying and selling tickets the way it should be. To start using SeatGeek, download the free app or go to SeatGeek.com. Hello, and welcome to the Ringer Soccer Podcast. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor at TheRinger.com, and joining me, as always, is Ryan O'Hanlon, another editor at TheRinger.com. It's great to be here. Great to hear that, as always. Ryan, as I as I always say around the office, there are a couple things I believe. Ready? I believe that the Mayans invented television, and I believe that this was a little bit of a letdown of a European championships. Do you agree with either of those statements? I think it was the Incas who invented television. <laughs> okay. I don't even think that's up for dispute, no. honestly. Um, I think it was it was disappointing in the sense of the there just weren't that many like well played games. Yeah. I don't think you would say. I, I, I think the game, the France Germany game, that was well played. But when you put that many good players on a field, I, that's sort of a guarantee. But overall, like, well, also tactically, I think that. There was enough good players in every position that the managers were able to do things tactically in the mm-hmm. France-Germany semi that made it feel like it had some flow. It made it feel yeah. like they were running yeah. at each other. It sort of felt like a club game with one team that yeah. sort of dominates possession and pushes the other team back and the other team tries to counter. Um, but overall, yeah, like beyond that, can you think of any games that Yeah, really there's no game out? that I'm going to tell my kids about. Yeah, but I, th- I think I... And I don't have kids, but like if I, if I have some <laughs> soon... And yeah. the first thing I'll do is tell them about soccer matches that I've seen. Yeah. Nothing from this tournament's gonna just... Yeah, I was planning on telling my kids whenever they whenever I have them about <laughs> Euro twenty sixteen, but I don't I don't know what now I'm gonna talk about. Now. That off the list of the five things you have to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's made it easier on me. Um but but yeah, it's it's I think it's still been enjoyable just because it's always fun to see these guys play for yeah, different teams. Summer tournament soccer is just great. It's great to have soccer on all day. It's great to watch these guys. It means a lot to the players. I want but I want to talk to you a little bit about sort of like some wider angle questions about the tournament before we start talking about the final. We were gonna be joined by Donnie Kwok from The Ringer and Kevin Clark. Take artist supreme, Kevin Clark. My arch nemesis. But I wanted to ask you, so we, we talked a little bit a couple of, in the office about this idea that one of the reasons why these games have been a little bit of a grind, and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot here or anything, but was managers can't really execute the visions that you, they might have if they had players who had either been playing with each other for a long time or all of like a very similar talent level. And mm-hmm. I think the thing we were talking about was this idea of playing a high line. Like you can't play a high line mm-hmm. if... You don't have athletic defenders or if they're not communicating well, right? Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because I think that explains a little bit of why teams were sitting so deep and there was a lot of playing for penalties, even into the late knockouts. Yeah, I think the idea of pressing a team and being proactive defensively is like a thing that's sort of taking over club soccer. Yeah. Um, but it requires you to have pressure from your attacking players 
and to have defenders that can cover a lot of space. If you don't have pressure from your attacking players and your defense is pushed up, the guys in the back can just play a long ball yeah. over the top and you're screwed, which is what happened with Belgium against Italy. Um, France did it a bunch of times against Iceland. Um, and you need it's just a t- thing that needs to be coordinated team-wide. And the only team that really did it that well this tournament was Italy. And yeah. we've talked about how their, their manager, Conte, or former manager now, kept a Chelsea select group of players within that team and always called up the same guys, not the most talented guys, but had them playing together enough that they sort of had a cohesive system. Um, and you saw it you know, against Germany. Germany, rather than trying to play like Germany, they just mirrored Italy's yeah, system. Yeah, they went to a three at the back, right? And made it, you know, they probably dominated. They didn't dominate, but they probably shaded the, the run of play in that mm-hmm. game. But, you know, the, the fact that the defending world champs had to just be, sort of give in and be reactive against Italy sort of tells you everything about yeah maybe that's the way to look at it is that there weren't enough proactive teams you know even germany like unless the the competition was really far below them and that was it was so cool about that semi-final is that Mm -hmm. even though it was only a two nothing scoreline i felt like france blew them off the ball and i actually felt like they were so aggressive that it allowed them to deal with any german attacks like pretty easily I was really, really impressed with how composed France was in the last 10, 15 minutes of that game. Yeah, like we were like I said earlier, you know, Germany was pushing them so deep into their territory, but they didn't really get that many great chances. And I think that might even sort of fall into what you're saying about just these teams not being able to really prepare and be too complex tactically. Because at the club level, you know, you're working on all these intricate movements within the final third yeah. and you're, you, you know that you're going to have to play teams that pack it in and you figure out ways to get through it. And, you know, France is a bunch of big bodies that can jump higher than all the guys in Germany can outrun them, can yeah. knock them off the ball. And Germany kind of just felt like they were lumping the ball into the box and didn't really have any ideas. And they didn't have Gomez to lump it to. Yeah, exactly. Um, before we move forward into talking about the final with Portugal and France, let's talk a little bit about some of the games that we saw, albeit they were not games that we would tell our children about what was a team that didn't make it to the final that you were excited by and what was a team that you were disappointed by um team i was excited by i mean italy is very exciting we've sort of talked about them already i'd say wells i think they um that dude paul baker disagrees with you yeah paul parker is that his name Uh, i think paul parker paul parker was this british pundit english pundit who was just like wales bottled it yeah, and he, he compared Cristiano Ronaldo to Andy Carroll. But you know what? He had a point in the sense that Wales will probably never have as good a chance as that. Yeah, I think so. But but it's the the thing for Wales is what made them so exciting is that they had Bale sort of just running around with his head cut off, essentially, but still finding goals. Um, and then they had Aaron Ramsey playing in like a very central number 10 position which he doesn't get to do for arsenal because he's not really good enough to yeah, do that for a team that good for, for and when doing it against wells you realize how awesome this guy actually yeah. is yeah um and they didn't have him against portugal and wells is just did he play that way was that where he played for arsenal in his breakout season no he was a little a little farther like back the gerard kind of yeah number eight um and when you try to be gerard you fail yeah that, that's uh the moral of that story but not having him against Portugal, it's, you know, Wales is such a fun story because we get to see a couple of these super superstar level players playing with, you know, James Collins, who yeah. just the fact that he was in... Or Robson, uh, you know... Yeah, Hal Robson. Hal Robson can do. still not, not on, a team. on a team. yeah. Um, but 
they're not once they lose one of those guys they're screwed not having ramsey it, it was sort of i didn't see any way of them winning unless bail yeah a couple the, free kicks. the tournament was definitely not helped by the yellow card suspensions in the last couple of especially the semifinal round what was a team that you were sort of let down by um england yeah. for sure I, what, I mean I, I wanted to talk about this too i mean we sort of always expect england to implode but we had a lot of reasons to not to think this team wouldn't because it's so many young players that play this very energetic style that doesn't seem very England-like. Um, and the first game against Russia was sort of same old thing. They dominated the game and then gave up a goal at the end. But they, I thought they played well. Then against Wales, they they beat Wales, which is like something that yeah. seems to be forgotten in the British press because it's all talk about how Wales have the heart and mentality to succeed in England. The Dragons, yeah. England are a bunch of babies i think jamie carragher <laughs> uh described them as but the thing about thing like in international soccer you can get unlucky and you can get upset by an underdog but against iceland england legitimately got outplayed yeah iceland had the better chances that and that's just like and the great the best thing that came out of that match was the postmortems about how iceland just has like more coaches per capita than england mm -hmm. does i mean something like one to every one UEFA licensed coach for every like a hundred people in Iceland or something insane stat yeah. like that. I think that uh, the the rumors that England's looking at Roberto Mancini or even Klinsman for that matter. I mean, they said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again when you know the result. It's like no, or, or that's the definition of insanity is just being English. You know what yeah. I mean? Like <laughs> I can't. I don't think that they should hire. I, I don't know necessarily that Eddie Howe or any of these guys younger British managers or whoever would be able to wring better results out of this team. But I've never seen a team crying out to just say, fuck it and have a bunch of 20 year olds playing than England. Just, just go, go for it. Just go for it with kids. Nobody wants to see Rooney in midfield. Nobody no. wants to watch Cahill get roasted anymore. Just <laughs> do us all a favor. Um, tell me about a player that you saw during this tournament that you can't wait to watch uh, in club football this fall. Um, this guy sort of went out on a very low note mm -hmm. after hitting one of the worst penalties, non-Germany, Italy edition I've ever seen. Um, but it's Granite Jaka of Switzerland. Yeah. Um, he just signed for Arsenal. Um, and the guy is just a passing machine, can hit a 70 yard diagonal ball, can p make a quick pass out of pressure. Um, and you know, Switzerland are not a possession dominant team necessarily on the level of Spain or Germany, but this guy's passing stats are at, he he's passing it as high of a rate as Tony Cruz or any of the Spanish midfielders in the euros. And he just looks like a guy who's so comfortable with the ball at his feet. I did. This is, this is way too early to say, and it, a lot of it's going to depend on what they do with Sanchez and whether he gets sold to Juventus. But what do you see Arsenal's three in midfield as? Is it Elneny, Jaka and one of Wilshire, Cazorla, Ozil. Like, what are they gonna do? I mean, if if they play four three three or if they play four two three one, is that a double pivot that they're gonna play it with with Shaka and El, and El Nenny? Because El Nenny looked good towards the end of last season, and he, I guess Cockleyne will be coming back, won't he? He will. Um, I think it's gonna depend on the game, which is maybe an unsatisfying answer. I think Jaka will always be in there because you can use that type of passing yeah. um, against anyone. And with a guy like that, maybe you wanna be able to free him up by playing a more defensive sort of destroyer next to him. And I think it'll be Kaklan or, or El Nene with, I don't know, it'll be interesting because Kazorla sort of 
gotten moved back from the attacking midfield position to more of a, like a playmaker. But Xhaka is just better at that. Um, yeah. And, and then you've got a lot of guys who probably should be playing up the middle and yeah, half of like we saw be, with Ramsey. Yeah. And, you and know, Wilshire. And yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Okay. Uh, let's call Donnie Kwok. Speaking of Arsenal, let's talk, call Donnie <laughs> and uh, talk a little bit about this France team. Ryan, let's talk a little bit with Donnie Kwok about, um, you know, a noted Arsenal fan in our in our midst. But Too many. Let, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about uh, France here, actually. Donnie, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited and honored to be here. So we were just talking about France and Arsenal, of which there's a there's always like a there's a long lasting connection through Arsene Wenger. And I was wondering, you guys already, Arsenal already has a couple of players uh, who are on the France national team playing for them, lining up for them. We've got uh, Koscielny and Giroud, obviously, okay. and Sanya, uh, who is on Former. the team, used to be on Arsenal, Clichy. Is Clichy on, on France? No. No. He isn't. He didn't make it. That's too bad. Oh, that's right. That's because he was in that video with Pep learning how to play yeah, soccer. Yeah, he couldn't pass. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, if you could buy any one player, one player... Uh, that you would break the Arsenal bank, which is pretty big already, on on this France squad. Who would you want to buy? It has to be Griezmann. Yeah. Is Griezmann the player of the tournament? He is. I mean, he's he's on, on route for the golden boot. Uh, he scored the biggest goals. He has the most viral dance. It's all, come, it's all coming together for him. It really, he's a week late. Because I think if he had done this right at the round of 16 or the quarters, if he really exploded then, mm-hmm. I think we would have had like a real sensation on our hands. Well, I mean, let's be honest. The dance is like eight months late. <laughs> but, but, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, Griezmann, the, the cool thing is that Deschamps let Griezmann be Griezmann. Am I right, Ryan? Yeah, I, I think so. We all sort of... Um, when he benched Griezmann and Pogba in the second um, game, yeah, quote unquote, managing against Albania, we all, or we all, by saying we all, I think me, I mean me personally, lost our lost our minds and yeah. we're like, what the hell is this dude doing? But since Griezmann's come back in, he's just been on fire, and they've they've let him sort of run around off of uh, Arsenal's own Olivier Giroud, and it's when this guy gets a head of steam, I don't think there's anyone that can really do anything about it. I don't think so either. I mean, he's doing the things that he did, he did on Atletico these last couple, it was he on this like two seasons for Atletico at this point. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And he's, he's, he has a lot of, as you mentioned, some Arsenal like qualities, two footed, technically sound first touch and all of that. But he's also very opportunistic and clinical, I would say, which is un Arsenal like, and I think that's part of his Atletico bloodline, you might say. I mean, he's he's got this kind of spirit and passion. I know those are cliches, but that seemed to be missing a little bit from the Arsenal side. So it's interesting to see that sort of rub off a little bit on Giroud. I think they have this really interesting symbiotic relationship that makes me excited, you know, to see. It would be make me excited to see at the Emirates, you know, but yeah. it's not going to happen, of course. I feel like he is destined to go to a place like Man City or even not Barca, but is Real in for him? I mean, who who are the teams that are in for Griezmann? I think basically everyone will be yeah. in for him. I mean, Barca is probably the one team that he can't fit in. wouldn't fit into. Yeah. He'd... Yeah, a lot of teams have taken a flyer on him over the last, you know, since he was in Sociedad, I think like five or six years, it seems, 
Um, and yeah, he's definitely destined for the biggest stage possible. I mean, I don't even know what his value would. Ryan, how much do you think he would be worth? I mean, if he pa- went if now, if Pogba is a hundred, you think seventy-five? Seventy-five. I, I don't 75. know. Like just just looking at um, some of the prices that are mooted for yeah. these, like decidedly average strikers it's like (laughs) it wouldn't be totally shocking if he like went for the world record fee especially after this tournament he does seem like a loyal type of guy and i mean i know that they're all like that i guess in the beginning before they you know become superstars super 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 duper stars but it seems like i think he just re-upped not too long ago yeah i i mean i i've been i've i've said a couple of times this this spring already that I'm really, really, really liking the way that Chelsea is putting their team together. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Conte believer. I think if he can figure out how to drive that team without driving them over the cliff, without a winter break, with <laughs> with some of the things that are going to be facing them, there is a very funny picture of uh, Greisman playing football manager as Chelsea. <laughs> right. uh, so if that was any any signal, if if Roman was able to open up the the, the money submarine and 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 send it over to him. I think Greisman on Chelsea would be incredible, paired up. It with would Hop. be, but him and Hazard are a little redundant, though. No? Yeah, they both run at dudes a lot. Like I think it's, but I, I, you know, I to me it's like you just if you're Chelsea, you want as much talent on the field as possible right now. But I don't know if Greisman is. No, like, I could, I could totally see it. I could totally see him in blue. Sadly, three five two Greisman and Hazard. It's not very tall, but or him and Mishi. Yeah. Uh, up top together. Donnie, what do you think there's like a parallel, don't you think, between the way Greisman kind of grew into the uh, into the tournament and the way France did, right? Like they were definitely playing their best, best football against Germany. Right. Yeah, I mean, as Ryan mentioned, uh, after that shit show of the opening match, you know, uh, they were, you know, Deschamps changed the lineup for the second game. And... Yeah, throughout the group stage, it was a little bit of sleepwalking, as Arson would say, you know, a handbrake on type of playing. Um, but yeah, they have seemed to have gotten better every game, and obviously the Iceland game was where they really exploded. I mean, against Germany, to be fair, the first half, they weren't that good. Uh, they were being overrun in midfield, and had that not penalty not occurred, I mean, Germany might, may very well have won that game. So... Um, it's you can't really say after watching the semifinal that France was demonstrably better than them than Germany. I don't think. Is there in a perfect world where the brackets hadn't fallen the way they did and there wasn't this sort of disproportionate amount of? I mean, we could make the argument of whether or not bigger countries or more traditionally powerful countries should equal better countries in soccer, but obviously the brackets were a little bit out of whack. Who would you have liked to have seen in the Final Four? Who do you think, after watching the tournament, were the deserving Final Four teams? The deserving Final Four? Um, I think France, Germany. I'd say Italy, too. Yeah, um, Yeah, I would say Italy. And I'm going to say Portugal. Yeah, well, we'll get on to that. What do you, before we go, Donnie, what do you think of, of how Portugal has been playing? Well, you know, they've been getting a lot of shit for... I mean, to be fair, a lot of shit performances. I mean, I think Portugal is always watchable just because of Ronaldo. And and even his, you know, it's like they say for baseball players, even like a a swing and a miss for some batters is exciting. I mean, that's with Ronaldo. Even his gesticulations are worth watching. Um, 
I think, you know, Portugal is interesting because it's a team full of villains. And as a troll myself, I kind of like a villain team. <laughs> I don't so, think you're a troll. <laughs> you're the Pepe of this I'm not podcast. A troll or a devil's advocate, maybe, is a nicer way to say it. I think you're more of like, like a, if you're a Portugal troll, you're more like Luis Figo, like a classy, older, <laughs> well dressed troll. I'd throw a pig head at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Donnie, well, let me, get like a, let me get a final prediction from you before you take off. Okay, in troll fashion, I will say Portugal, 2-1, Ronaldo, both goals. Nice. I like it. All right, man. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the final. Okay, talk to you guys later. Peace. Bye. Sometimes the segues write themselves, Ryan. So to talk about a team of trolls, let's bring this podcast troll on. Kevin Clark, what's up, man? I'm also a well-dressed troll. Yeah. You are. Yeah. Great hair, for Yeah, sure. I want to say something about what Donnie yeah. said about Griezmann being very Arsenal-like. So Griezmann turned down Arsenal mm-hmm. um, two years ago, so he is very Arsenal-like <laughs> in that he doesn't want to play for Arsenal, <laughs> which is pretty clearly yeah. the pattern of any good player who's nice to have you Arsenal. back. Yeah. yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about Portugal. Sure. I think that they... Have gotten the benefit of the draw for sure, but another team like France, who's maybe playing—I think it's fair to say—is playing their best soccer at the end of the tournament. Sure. Mm-hmm. That have figured out how to play. Ryan wrote a really good piece about Cristiano Ronaldo on the Ringer today, that talks about how Ronaldo's late period is increasingly—he is the end point. He is becoming more and more of a striker, less and less picking the ball up early in the play and driving at teams, and more a goal mouth or outside of goal uh, mechanism for for scoring. Um, what do you think of how Port- Portugal has been playing in these last couple games? If you were to draw up, and no one's going to accuse them of playing beautifully this last you know month, no, basically. Yeah. But if you were to draw up a plan, if you were to say fix Portugal, wouldn't you say don't take any risks and just let Ronaldo do what he does, and then basically keep everybody else back? That's what they're doing. Um, I mean, I, I just I, I feel like Ronaldo, what, seven and a half shots per game, leading the tournament uh, in shots outside the box, second behind Graceman in shots inside the box. Like, that is volume shooting, yeah. okay? He is just, he's like the ultimate, he's swaggy P, okay? <laughs> um, that's where Ronaldo's at right now. And I just think that's the style you have to do. This is not 2004 Portugal. There are there there is not a a backbone of a Champions League defending team like the, like the 2004 yeah. team had with Porto. It's just kind of ten dudes plus Ronaldo. The golden generation is gone, and they're making the best of it. I just when some I hear what he's saying, but sometimes when teams come to the tournament and that's their that's their plan is ten guys in Ronaldo or sure. England. Let's just not fuck up. I just, what's the what is qualifying for? What do you what do you what are you doing? Like that's what you came up with. Like you see what Conte did with Italy. He did not have superior talent. He probably could have even picked superior talent within his country. I mean, he probably could have had more goals out there. I and he could have used it against Germany. But he had a plan that was inventive that took the game to other teams that forced their will on other teams. He had a cycle that he went through with the with his country. I don't understand what other countries are doing here. I think the thing that's important to point out with Conte, though, is that Italy were the oldest team at this tournament, and he knew he was done after this, so he has no interest in sort of yeah, because developing else Italy. Who's coaching these teams are, are basically losers. Yeah, but he he has that's that is gen, generally true, uh, but <laughs> he has no reason to like 
care about how Italy does after this tournament. You know what I mean? Sure. Santos, Santos for Portugal, he's playing a lot of the guys from the team um, that did so well in the under twenty one yeah. European Championship. Renato last Sanchez. Year. So he's de- he's yeah. developing these guys, giving them giving them game time, which is important. And I think the thing that's port- important to point out with Italy or Portugal is that they didn't necessarily play this packed in way in the group stage. Like against Hungary, they opened the game up and they had way more shots than Hungary, but they gave up a bunch of shots to Hungary too. And when you do that, Hungary had a couple deflections and sort of one in 30 shots that went in and they tied 3-3. Right. It sort of opens you up to a lot of randomness. But isn't that, is that kind of like when Arsenal gets a a Swansea who try to play a little bit with them and they just blow them away. Like, I, I, yeah, I, that, I, that, that, I, I, you're making a face. Cause I think I'm, I'm sure that Arsenal's lost to Swansea like three times in a row or something, but it feels like that was, that well, it, I would love it if that was like the norm, but yeah. Yeah. What, what I would say is like you, if you play that style throughout a premier league season, you have 38 games and you're going to create the more cha- yeah, chances yeah. and it's going to even out, but you do occasionally get that Arsenal, 4-4 Newcastle game or 4-3 sure. whatever it was which is great for everybody and except in inter- an international involved. tournament like do you want to open yourself up to that possibility happening in the like yeah, if the answer round penalties. of 16 if, if the alternative is penalties I would rather take 4-4 I would or 5-4 sure if I was Italy I would never enter a penalty shootout ever, ever again. again ever yeah. again yeah exactly I would leave the field after 120 you, is Zaza still at the penalty spot just <laughs> shuffling his feet? Zaza is somewhere <laughs> like a guy is wearing a Manuel Neuer mask at a bar somewhere and he's like he's trying to talk trash to him um Kevin one of the things that Ryan wrote about in his piece was this idea of winning the Euros oh, and whether or not it would be a feather in Ronaldo's Ronaldo's cap which yeah he, I, said, he had used ITALs. He said, these tournaments happen so infrequently that it doesn't really impact the legacy yeah. of a player like Ronaldo. To which I'll just throw this question at you, Ryan. Uh, when did you stop liking soccer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I started working for the Ringer. <laughs> <laughs> but the point that I think you're making is that when you're Ronaldo and you're putting, you've got a cupboard full of trophies with Real Madrid anyway. Yeah. Nobody's going to go back in time and be like, well, he never won it with Portugal because everybody will be smart enough to know he didn't have the right players around him or the right manager with him. If Ronaldo, this is why I was kind of hoping that Mourinho didn't get one of these good jobs is that he would manage Portugal in the World Cup. He's a little late for Ronaldo, but this is probably with him, like this 2018 World Cup will be the last, his last tournament significantly, I bet. Is the last tournament that he'll contribute to significantly. Yeah, I mean, if there's one guy that's going to keep playing until he's like 57, um, it's Ronaldo. But I think you're probably right. Captaining LAFC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The best team in the world. Hooking up with point. lamps <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> I know. Um, what do you think about this idea? Yeah, of like so I, I just think that what we're seeing right now is awesome. Anyone who likes watching Ronaldo play and likes his, I kind of like his selfish streak. I mean, I liked it at Man U when he was just like, yeah, when Man U started to dip down in quality a little bit and he was like, I'm just going to play up front and try to score 30 goals a year. That was awesome. To yeah. Me, okay. I enjoy that. I like when LeBron tries to take over a game. I like when Ronaldo tries to take over a tournament. So I think that yes, these individual flashes of brilliance do help the legacy. If someone, look, no one says, okay, George Best, what never qualified for an international tournament no one sits there and says well George Best was a choke artist but it does help the legacy if you have a month like this where the entire world is watching you I think that we now because there's so much soccer on TV because we're all obsessed with soccer in one way or the other um, 
we overrate how much people pay attention to the club season because mm-hmm. I think that the casual fan, a lot of these people are just watching, you know, they'll, they'll watch the uh, Champions League final, the Champions League semifinal, watch when Leicester clinches. When, you know, if their Twitter feed yeah. gets like overwhelming yeah. about holy shit, a game right. that's happening but on a Monday. A lot afternoon. of people still judge players based on international tournaments. Look at Messi. Messi rage quit after losing in, in Giant Stadium. Okay? Yeah, that's just because he knew he was going to go to prison for a year and a half. He was back. <laughs> I know. And so I, I just, I, I feel like, yes, it is awesome to take over an international tournament. It helps your legacy. I don't know. I think what Messi is so good that it does ding his legacy a little bit that he couldn't do it with Argentina. I think it's also because that Argentina team should be really good. Yeah, yeah. No, a team I with don't Mascherano understand. and Di Maria and Messi and Iguain should be really just, good. Just really quickly, can someone please give me the best explanation to why Messi can't do it for Argentina? Why? Because I saw him in Seattle, and, and we talked this, a little bit about this when I wrote that piece. He doesn't play the same way. He removes himself all the time from offensive possessions. He he looks extremely uncomfortable um, when he doesn't have the ball at his feet, which I imagine does not is not the case when he's at the at, at the uh, at the new camp. Okay, and so I just do you have a, a good explanation for why some superstar players just don't jive when they're outside their club? I mean, part of it is because it's just just harder to like Messi you know he's the focal point of Barcelona but the team is very like sophisticatedly built around him in Argentina it's like you you do your thing and we're gonna win because of you I mean the thing that I would say with Argentina it's like before the final of the 2010 World Cup Angel Di Maria second best player in Argentina gets injured yeah in the Copa America final Di Maria pulls his hamstring in the first 30 minutes um Di Maria didn't or barely played against Chile in this past Copa America sure. final. And Iguain, who's one of the best finishers in the world, has had like f- multiple very clear-cut finishing chances that if he finished any of them, Messi would have at least one trophy. So I think it's important to make a distinction between, you know, if Ronaldo was just playing like garbage in the Euros, I think that that's, that's something we would remember. Sure, But like he's in the final now and it's one game and i i don't think one game should have such a big effect on how we view a player i agree with you i also think that another reason aside from the like these moments in a vacuum that ryan's talking about is that if messi's god he needs his angels you know and his angels were xavi and iniesta and busquets and this this machine that just generated not chances, but the chance for chances for him where it's like you never had to worry about the transition from defense to midfield to final third with Barcelona. Whereas I don't know that. I mean, who's the best central midfielder that Argentina has? Mascherano is the best one, but he plays central defense. Doesn't he? And your, your man ever Benega. I mean, Benega is a King, but I wouldn't, (laughs) I I, I, I mean, it's Pastore. I, I guess I'm, I I, yeah. I don't know, but they don't have that kind of fluidity and yeah. dependability in sure. central midfield of Barcelona. No, I, I get that. My overarching point, though, you know, Bill Simmons loves to talk about moments, and, and after the LeBron block, he talked about how that was a signature moment. How Kobe didn't really have a moment. That that's a Bill take, not me. Um, but just if Ronaldo delivers this weekend and he scores a late goal. Those moments add up, and I think that I think sometimes we lose we lose sight of what the point of sports is, and it's to have like have a great time and have fun. And seeing Ronaldo score a late winner in a huge tournament for a shit team would be fucking awesome. I I'm rooting for France, but oh, to your point, 
if he wins it, I'm cheering for him. It's like if he yeah. wins it, I want him to win it for him because I have there's like two hours of a YouTube mixtape of Ronaldo moments that I'm gonna remember for the rest of my life because he's done things in a game that I've never seen anybody do before. I just want it for him because it clearly means a lot to him it sh- as it should, and it's something that's probably. You know he has so little control over whether or not his national side is up to his level. Yeah, I I I would love to see him get it just for him. You know he deserves something. To, yeah. To, to... Uh, would you? The thing. Part of it is I think just as I've matured as a human being, um, if I have matured as a human being or if I'm imagining it, I've come to respect and really like Ronaldo yeah, a lot. Yeah. Would you? You know, four years ago you wouldn't have probably said what you just said, right? Um. Maybe, maybe you've... I think when Mourinho and Guardiola were managing Barcelona and Madrid respectively, it was so much... Uh, it was just so easy to fall into good guy, bad guy, Luke Skywalker, Darth stuff with yeah. Messi and Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. And I think I was just as much a victim to that. But um, that being said, you know, I, I've never... Especially in the Madrid years, he's just been one of the world's four or five best athletes. Yeah. One of the things, so I've become less mature as a person as time goes on, but one of the things with me, with people like Ronaldo, and, and you, you learn more as you go on in sports, and we've obviously worked in sports now, all of us, for at least five years, and we understand how hard it is to get to that level. Yeah. I think when you're outside of the sports realm, or you're young, or you're just starting out, you think that there are people who can float through life and become, oh, Ronaldo's so athletic, of course mm-hmm. he's going to yeah. be like that. And then you get within a hundred thousand miles of sports and you realize how hard even Ronaldo, Oh, Mr. Abs, Mr. Oh, he's taking his shirt off. Oh, that's all he cares about. That's like one, one millionth of what he cares about. Like you cannot become that dominant of a force unless you have yeah. a supernatural work ethic. Yeah. I mean, every NFL quarterback has a supernatural work ethic. I mean, it, that's, that's the Ronaldo And you can tell thing. he's obsessed with greatness. Yes. Not unlike the way LeBron is. Yes, exactly. He is, we will be telling our grandchildren we saw Ronaldo play. All right, let's wrap things up. Ryan, who do you want to win and who's going to win? I want France to win just because I, the way I've been deciding who I want to win these games is which team will be more devastated if they lose. <laughs> I want that team to win. And if France loses at home, all of these young guys that I love, Pogba, Griezmann, all of them, that that's just going to be really upsetting to see them crying on yeah. the field. Um, so I want them to win. Um, but I, I think Portugal's going to win. I, I think they just have that. They've shown a way of su- like France, the way they played against Germany or the lineup they played is a very attacking lineup. And Portugal's just shown the ability to sort of suck the attacking life out of any team. And, you know, is Koscielny going to be able to handle Ronaldo one-on-one on a counterattack? If you haven't seen Arsenal in Champions <laughs> League, yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think Portugal's going to win it. I agree with you. Uh, my take, my historic take, was that France was too talented to win. It turned out that Germany was too talented to win. Too much talent in Germany always is a huge problem. Um, Twelve years ago, um, I believe the first Euro I ever watched as a fan, Portugal went into a home final, and everyone thought this was going to be a, a cinch, and they lost one nil to the Greeks. Mm-hmm. I see a very similar thing happening right, 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 that, right now this weekend. Um, I feel like France is going to get shut down by Portugal. They're not going to know what to do. And look, Ronaldo, if he's taking eight shots a game, one of those is going to go in. You know, <laughs> and I just feel like it's going to be one nil to the Portuguese. I was going to say Portugal on pens, but I'm saying three nothing France. Based yeah, on no, I know. I thought about that too. Uh, so I thought it was being counterintuitive. Pogba hat trick. Yeah, 
I think I think Antoine Olivier go off. I think I think Pepe is the only really good defender on Portugal right now, and I it's, I just think they're gonna boss it. Let's say that. I, I'm, I'll be happy for them. Ronaldo's got enough trophies. All right, we'll be back a couple of times over the course of the summer to do some transfer pods, and we'll. I mean, before we know it, Premier League's back August fifteenth, so we'll do some some European preview stuff, and I'll call from Vikings training camp. Please do, <laughs> please do call up with uh, Teddy Bridgewater and see how he's feeling about Southampton this year. Uh, for Ryan O'Hanlon and Kevin Clark, I'm Chris Ryan. Thanks for listening.